Uh, it's great to be here, and uh, great to hear about this new series that you're about to do called Better Together. And when Mark asked me to speak this morning, he sent me a little email about the things to expect, you know, what to look for as I looked out from this position this morning, and how full of anticipation you all guys were for the future. But he also sent me a copy of a prophecy that uh, Rodney Hagar brought to you as a church. He brought it to you, and it was your 10th anniversary, I think, in 2017. And I read through this uh, prophecy about what God had in store for you for the decade ahead. And I thought, well, this is tremendous. What a wonderful word to have had. So what's on the screen? Oh, better together. There it is, with a, with a knot and a nautical theme for being on the Isle of Wight. So I'm quite impressed, really. So I'm just going to read to you that prophecy. I don't know how often you go back to it, how much you've prayed into it. I guess Mark has done that a lot, so it may be very familiar to you, but it was the first time I'd heard it. And God spoke to you about being like Apex Church, being like a lemon tree, which apparently are quite unusual on the Isle of Wight. Or anywhere, really. Well, except where they grow. (laughs) And this is what Rodney brought to you. God is growing you on a south wall because he is growing something that doesn't normally grow here. He is growing a church that you wouldn't normally expect to see on the Isle of Wight. You will not be limited. I like that, don't you? You will not be limited by your settling by your setting or geography. So do not limit yourselves by an island mentality. Is that hard to do here on the island? I don't know. I'm looking around. So do not limit yourselves by an island mentality or a sense of what can and can't be achieved here and don't be limited by previous history or experience. I mean, this is quite a dramatic word to a church, isn't it? Whew. The lemon tree that I saw, said Rodney, was very green, healthy, substantial, very fruitful, lots of lemons, which is what we'd expect on a lemon tree that was healthy, I guess. That is the church I want to grow here, says God. A healthy church. People who know who they are in Christ and have the life of Christ flowing through them. This church, your church, you, will be characterized by life. By the way, when I preach, I do like to have a bit of feedback and a sense of life in the room. You know, I'm one of those guys who likes the Pentecostal experience. So if I say something you agree with, say, yes, come on, Trev, that's it, preach it, brother. If I say something you disagree with, just boo. But let's have some, <laughs> let's have some interaction here, okay? This church will be characterized by life. Yes, it's true. It's come true. <laughs> And the needy and the desperate will also find health and freedom here under your shade. A substantial church. You will be bigger than you would expect, proportionate to your population. But it's not just about numbers, it's to do with strength and stature. I am building a church of stature You will attract people from cities, a fruitful church. You will bless not just cows, not just the Isle of Wight, but the nations. God is calling forth fruitfulness from wherever people from Apex find themselves. And those who have lacked fruit will become fruitful. 
You are about to enter a new decade of fruitfulness as you enter your tenth year. And I read that and thought, wow, that is something special. And it's been weighed, and even as I read it, I witnessed to it. There was a quickening in my spirit that this was a word that I ought to return to this morning as we talk about being an apostolic people. And that's a very encouraging word, isn't it? I hope that you were encouraged when you received it. And as I read it, I thought, wow, I wouldn't mind a prophecy like that, Lord, over Hope Church. You know, that would be, that would be something. Wonderful promises here. Wonderful encouragements for you. But as I read it through again a second and a third time, and as I started to pray for you, what I was going to say this morning, it also struck me that what God is giving you in this prophetic word was also a pretty big reminder that what God is doing here is giving you quite an awesome responsibility. Because when prophecies like this come, they're not just to be received and you just sit back and say, well, when is this going to happen? What day am I going to pull open the curtains and find revivals come to cows? You have a responsibility to pray into these things. Three days of prayer coming up. I mean, lift up this prophecy over and over again, pray into it. But you've got a big responsibility here, not just to hear this word, not just to wait for it to come about. You now have the opportunity to put it into action to recognize that God is doing something among you and that you are to have a fresh awareness. What God is speaking to you about through this prophecy is you've got to stand up straight and say, we have a calling. We, as the people of God in this place, this family, this body, Apex Church, we have an identity as the people of God. It was wonderful in one of the songs we just sang about having dignity. You will have dignity in your community. eh? I believe that. And now every one of you has got to take hold of this and begin to take hold of this prophecy and to take hold of your inheritance that God has given you and to begin to live this out in an amazing way. Rachel spoke about those who are coming, this word that we've had for many years now. And if many are coming, if they're going to be crossing that green and joining you here, and as you're going to be touching lives out in your offices, in your schools, your colleges, wherever you find yourselves, you're about to enter an amazing time. So I want to start by praying for you guys. Because if we did nothing else but just pray to this prophecy right now, the Spirit will begin to move powerfully. Because you can't hear the word of God that's specifically for you and not be quickened to faith, can you? Father, I just thank you that you've gathered these people together. That Apex Church is on your agenda, Lord. You have a plan and a purpose for these people. You've declared it publicly, prophetically, Lord God. And I pray now there be an impartation of faith in every heart in this room to rise up, to move beyond where every individual is now and take hold of the inheritance, just like the tribes of Israel took hold of their inheritance. And many of them, even Caleb in his 80s, saying, give me my mountain. Where's my part to play in this? And I pray, Lord God, for this body of people that they won't be content to just settle and rejoice in the 80, the 100, the 150, but they will take hold of what you're saying to them, a fruitful church with influence beyond the island, with influence beyond the nation of England, Lord God, with influence across the nations. I pray you would do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen again to these words. Not limited by your setting or your geography. Not limited by your previous history or experience. Because there have been disappointments in this place. Healthy, substantial, fruitful, strong, with great stature in the kingdom of God. Blessing not just cows, not just the Isle of Wight, but the nation. So I've got a question for you. How do you feel about this, Apex Church? Are you alive out there? Come on. Okay. And what are you doing about it? 
Are you praying into it? Are you expecting? Are you gearing yourselves up for growth? Are you preparing new group leaders for all the growth that's coming? Are you preparing yourself to share the gospel when God begins to move in our nation, in your office, and people start to ask questions? I love Psalm 96. It's not going to come up on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day by day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, and he is to be feared above all gods. For the gods of the nations are but idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory. Due his name and offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. That's your task. That's your task in cows. Cows, the Lord reigns. UK, the Lord reigns. All the nations of the earth, we have a message for you. It's coming from Apex Church in the Isle of Wight. The Lord reigns. Sorry if I get a bit excited, I might start preaching. (laughs) Are you aware that it was always God's plan to fill the whole earth with his glory? You see, you turn the TV on and people are writing the church off and this church is closing down. The nations have no idea that God is raising up his church. The United Kingdom has no idea in this moment of despondency. God's at work. They don't know that churches are filling up and we're planting new churches on a monthly basis and a weekly basis. But God reigns and he's going to fill the earth with his glory. And you are part of it. There was a temple in Jerusalem and all the earth had to go there because that's where God dwelt. But Jesus said, this temple is coming down because there's a new temple in the earth. My body. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came down and a new temple was created, made up of living stones. And every one of you in this room has given your life to Jesus Christ. You're a stone in that temple and that temple isn't confined to cows, it's a cross whole earth and the glory of God is filling the earth in person after person as this temple gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Isn't that exciting? And you're one of those stones. Take you out and the edifice isn't quite the same. You are part of God's plan for what he's doing, this wonderful thing that we are called to say to the nations, the Lord reigns. And that's the reason we're here together today because God's joined us together. You're not here just to attend the weekly meeting, are you? You're here because God took hold of you, joined you with the other people in this room, and gave you a destiny. I rather like that. It's because of our awareness together that we know that our mission as churches is not simply to touch our individual communities. Not just cows for you, Bromley for me. God has given us his heart, and his plan is for us together to touch the nation, to touch the nations. We are so blessed. I think you are blessed, I am blessed, I rejoice every day that God has joined me to this incredible family called Regions Beyond, which is part of the worldwide church of Jesus Christ, and we know who we are, and we know where we're going, and God has given us a vision. It's absolutely amazing. We are now individual churches. We now know we've been joined together. 
to touch the world. Just as much as you've been joined together to become one body, this church is part of a large group, a body that touches the whole world, and it's very exciting. And regions beyond. We're not just churches where occasionally we meet together, or occasionally leaders like Mark and I get in touch with each other. We know that we have a common destiny. Just as you know you've been joined together as Apex Church, we know that Apex Church and Hope Church and all the other churches across the world as part of this family called Regions Beyond, God had a plan and a purpose before every one of these churches were born, planted, to be joined together to touch the nations. And we're joined to act together strategically. You're part. We're part of a plan. We're here as churches to support one another. We're here as churches to serve one another. That's why I'm here today. And many of you travel around a little bit. Mark's ministry is going to be growing in the near future. Because we need more and more mature men of God to go and help strengthen other churches. As I'm preaching here, I'm looking across at Pat, that you've given to the worldwide work of Regions Beyond, as she joins me as a trustee, and as Pat and Mick are putting on fusion and events like that. You're beginning to play an incredible part in the family of Regions Beyond. But we've been called together. It's what we are together that's important. So what God wants to do, particularly in that prophecy that you've just received, is to see further than this building and this island, and this nation, and see that you have a destiny that God prepared for you before the foundation of the earth as a church. And when revival is coming, because we're having many stirring words about that, Terry Virgo shared just last year, I don't know whether you heard this prophecy from Terry, Terry Virgo moved house about three years ago, and he shared with a group of leaders that gathered together in London, he said, when we were trying to sell our house, it just didn't seem to be happening. And we wanted to buy another house, and that didn't seem to be happening. And every day I was on my knees saying, Lord, make this come through. Help us to sell and help us to move. And one day, he heard the voice of God. He didn't express whether it was an external voice, or probably an internal voice. But God said to him, Terry, you can stop praying now. It's done. So he got up his knees, he went and found Wendy, his wife. He said, we can go for a walk now, stop praying. She said, aren't you doing your usual praying for revival? God's just told me, it's done. The house is going to happen. And then earlier last year, he was on his knees praying for revival, and he had exactly the same thoughts. God said to him, Terry, it's done. And within three weeks of that first prayer about the house, they moved And God has said, revival is coming. There's many other prophetic words that we've got. But this time, revival is not going to be about a few superheroes who just turn up in a town, have a big rally for a week, and thousands of people come to those meetings. This time, it's not going to be about just a few churches that suddenly grow exponentially and everybody flies to Toronto or Pensacola. This time, the revival is going to sweep up every church who honours the Lord Jesus and is filled with the Spirit. This time... It's going to be through a family of churches who know who they are and know the calling that's upon them. Recently, we had David Devonish with us, the churches that gather together every Thursday in the centre of London, the churches around London. And David Devonish said, I've got one message for you guys. Steve Oliver said, what's that, Dave? Live up to your name. Regions beyond. I don't want to hear about regions beyond in 10 years' time and found that you haven't lived up to your name. So I want to share something of my story with Regents Beyond with you. And then we're going to open up a passage of scripture that talks about what we're doing among us. First, here's how I became aware of some of the things I've just shared. In 2013, 
Life was moving along very nicely for me and Rachel. Hope Church was meeting on two sites. You know, we'd entered this exciting new world, multi-site church. We were on track, two sites, two buildings. We'd taken the plunge. We were gathering about 200 adults. It was, it was wonderful. We were growing. My 65th birthday was just around the corner. I had my successor in place, a man named Daniel McLeod. Many of you will have heard him, him preach. So that was all lined up. And we were moving towards the handover and I knew that just over the horizon, just tentatively over the horizon, the next year was my retirement and we'd be buying a cottage in a beautiful little town in Shropshire called Ludlow and everything would be wonderful. We felt, well, Rachel and I felt, well, yeah, we, you know, we've done our bit. We planted a couple of churches. We've done our bit. We've grown a church. We felt we'd done that. But we sat discovered that God had other things in store because a certain man walked into our life his name was Steve Oliver and he turned everything upside down (laughs) have you met Steve Oliver? has he preached here yet? yeah that's good he kind of turns things upside down doesn't he? by the way if you go on to Grace City Church Sydney's uh, website a few months back in February we were there together and he told the story of how he was called to launch a movement Go online, listen to that. It's quite a thrilling story. Anyway, Steve came along. At that time, Hope Church was part of a cluster of churches led by a guy called Ray Lowe. I think many of you know Ray Lowe. And uh, we had decided as a small cluster of churches to call ourselves Impact. And then along came Steve and everything was put to grass and we became part of this worldwide family called Regions Beyond. And uh, we had a, a conference planned for the Impact Churches And by the time we actually got to the conference, men like Mark had joined us and we were now closing down uh, Impact and we started a Regions Beyond conference instead. It was quite a wonderful time. And I heard Steve Oliver begin to share his heart for an apostolic movement for the first time. And one phrase that he said just gripped me. He said this, We are not going to be a movement with an apostle or a couple of apostles because we are going to be an apostolic movement. We believe we've all been called and we're all being sent, by which he meant every member of every church in regions beyond. And suddenly at Hope Church, we found ourselves part of this expanding apostolic family. And we were very quickly caught up in something absolutely wonderful, this worldwide family, and it's been brilliant. And for us at Hope Church... Being joined to this new family of churches changed everything. I think revolution would be too small a word, really. Everything changed overnight. And this is how it affected me personally, and I'll tell you how it affected the church. Personally, I suddenly discovered that my ministry wasn't over, that God has no respecter of age, apparently. And uh, suddenly I found myself in a place of opportunity. Steve and the other guys with him encouraged me to dream and to see myself as having an extra special role now in what was going to happen. And my eyes were lifted not just from the town of of Bromley, where I was expecting to plant 10 congregations before things uh, changed, but to our nation and to the world. And I found myself stepping up and stepping out, getting out of the boat, which is a bit scary when you're nearing 65, and getting on with what God wants us to do. And I discovered that this phrase 
We are here for one another's success. Isn't just another axiom. It's a truth in this family of churches that everybody around me was there for my success and everybody God was gathering to us, we were there for one another's success. Are you here for one another's success? Yeah. Yeah. Are you here for the success of every other church in the UK? That's what this is all about. And I saw other people around me developing too and being given space to grow, being given space to step out and to step up, being given freedom to initiate things, not just in our own town, but across the nations. And in Regents Beyond, what I love about this, what I've discovered is there's no head office, there's no head office mentality, there's no head man mentality, there's no looking over your shoulder and thinking, could we do this as Apex Church? You know, could we plant 100 churches across the south coast of England? No one to ask, you don't need a permission, just go ahead and do it. They're not saying hallelujah, so we'll leave that one for now. (laughs) (laughs) Having been a New Frontiers pastor had been great. I recognised the great privilege that I had. But it always seemed implicit in the movement that we were a part of at that time that there were definitely an A team of leaders and a B team of leaders. And I was definitely a B team leader. And that world mission was to be left to the big guys, you know, the platform guys, the big guys. I tell you something, I've discovered that in regions beyond, every single person is an A team. Every person is recognized as having a call of God and a gift of God and a grace gift of God and a ministry. Every one of you sitting in this room, when you chose you, you, he had a for you, he had gifts that he's given to you, and he has a ministry for you to fulfill. Do you know that? None of us are just called to sit in one particular church. We can do anything we want to that God calls us to do. World mission. And our church, I guess like yours, as you became part of Regions Beyond, very quickly learned that sense of freedom too. Every one of us realized that we as a local church, which is try, I'm trying to encourage you in, had a very high calling in God's purpose. That we could affect the nation's And we began to see that in our offerings. We began to take up these annual offerings for Regions Beyond. And the first time we took up an offering for Regions Beyond, I looked at the figure that was given to me on a piece of paper. I think it was £85,000. And I was thinking to myself, I could really do with that for Hope Church. And we're about to give it away. But it just kept going. There's a new generosity, a new sense of faith in what we could do together. We saw that in commitment from people, people stepping up, and we saw it in a glorious new flexibility across the whole body of Christ. And as a church, we became more and more and more adventurous. Are you feeling adventurous, Apex Church? Are you up for an adventure? Yeah? Yeah? 80 people in this room, this is great, isn't it? But how about an adventure? How about plowing up some new ground? How about planting some new congregations? How about beginning to send people to the ends of the earth? That sound adventurous to you? Yeah? Who's ready to go to the ends of the earth? Just out of interest. Four. Frank's okay. That's a good start. <laughs> I also noted the names. <laughs> yeah, so we became more releasing. And in five years, we went from those two congregations to five, and we are going to plant number six in the autumn. God's given us this sense. Let's just have another go. It gets a little bit hilarious now. I say, right, uh, we're going to plant a new congregation. And a few people go, another one? But most people say, okay, we did it before. We can do it again. It's as simple as that. And we've become more releasing. We've invested quickly, not just in planting congregations. We've planted three churches in that time too. We sent out our main leaders. 
as you know, Daniel McLeod was my successor and then Steve took him away. Then I had another guy called Glenn and Steve took him away and we're working on Tony now, so don't tell Steve about Tony because I'd, I'd like to keep him as my successor. <laughs> yeah. And faith rose in us because we began to see God fulfilling his promises. See, God's given us all these amazing promises in his word. Do this and I'll do that. But the only way to find out if God actually fulfills those promises is to step out on those words. And one of the words that we began to discover that God really uses and blesses and fulfills is this. Give and it will be given unto you. Press and shaking together, running over will be poured into your lap. That's not just about money. It's about going. It's about giving people away. It's about sending people out. It's about having this adventurous spirit, doing it. And when we step out in faith like that, we've seen it again and again. We can't outgive God. So we planted these three churches. We sent congregations out. Congregations that have sent congregations out, they suddenly found within six months they're back to their original size. Because God's fulfilling his promise. And we sent churches out. We sent leaders out. And suddenly, hey, where did these other leaders come from? And other people are stepping up. And people are coming to us because they know within a short space of time their gifts will be used. Who wants churches of 7,000 people when there's only two preachers out of 7,000 people? We need hundreds and hundreds of churches around about 150 people multiplying all our gifts because there are people in this room you've never preached yet but there's a gift to do that. There's a gift to lead a group but you've never done that. You need to be growing so all your gifts can be utilised. You can be trained up and you can disciple other people. And it's not just about the church. There's a world to reach, isn't there? Yes. We need people who are confident in who they are that they have a message from God for the people around us. So in summary, Regions Beyond, for me and Hope, has been an incredible journey for the last five years and it's going to be for you too in an absolutely extraordinary way. How do prophetic from God that he gave you in 2017? And it guarantees that if you put it into practice. We have been blessed, you have been blessed, and we have been blessed to be a blessing. We used to have a very good Brazilian friend called Paulo Borges. And every time he came to our church, he would say this. You have been blessed <laughs> to be a blessing. Know that. Who in this room has been blessed? I'll ask you that question. Who in this room has been blessed? You have been blessed to be a blessing. That's my impersonation of a Brazilian accent. It's probably not very good. Our relationships between our churches, your part in the Regions Beyond family is immense. And one thing that Steve has been very emphatic about is this. You won't get to know Regions Beyond and who we are and what we are like and our values from a list or a book. If you want to know our values, come and see them in the flesh. So if I were speaking to someone from the south of England, I'd say, you want to know about regions beyond? You want to know what we're about? I'll tell you what to do. You go to Apex in Cows on the Isle of Wight and you'll find out what regions beyond is all about because you'll find a people there who are regions beyond. You are ambassadors. You're living out the values. On the back there is a list of values. Is that right? And apparently you are a people who are thrilled and motivated by grace. Is that true? You are faithful to scripture. You are committed to the word, right? 
You are celebrating the centrality of the local church in the purposes of God. You know this is God's plan, right? It's not parachurch organisations. It's not solitary missionaries being supported by a few faithful back home and the whole rest of the world has forgotten about them. It's about the local church in every community that we can reach, shining for Jesus, a city set on a hill. You are intentional about diversity. Is that right? Yeah. The, the, the responses are going down as I go through the list. You are enthusiastically servant-hearted. Yes. Over breakfast, Mark and Jackie told us that this is a servant-hearted church. Found here. You are embracing the poor. You are there for one another's success. You are humbly led, led by a gifted leadership team. Is that true, church? Yeah. <laughs> You are being shaped by the prophetic. Yes. Yes. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Keep preaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Keep bringing into the experience of the Holy Spirit. Keep introducing people, praying in tongues. We need the Holy Spirit more than ever before in our nation. It's getting dark out there and we've got to shine more and more. It's the Holy Spirit's power upon us. Jesus has given us, promised us two things, power and authority. We have authority because we have the name of Jesus, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit and we need to be speaking it, giving space to the Holy Spirit in our meetings. And the last one, it says here, you are a people devoted to mission. You are a people devoted to mission. Yes. Well, Angus is devoted to mission, so that's it. That go wrong. See, I have it on very good authority. Very good authority. Someone very special told me this. Harvest is plentiful. (laughs) The harvest is plentiful. And that's the promise that we're basing our outreach on, isn't it? And our mission. So basically, guys, I'm here to tell you one very simple thing. It's time for you to think like a team. And time to see your church as part of a team. It's time for you to think bigger than you've ever thought before. I don't know how big your vision is or how big your faith is or how big your expectations are for Apex Church. You can, do, you can ask God for anything and he can do more. Yeah. You can't outthink God. He can do more than you can ask for or imagine. So I suggest your prayers get bigger yeah. and your expectation gets bigger. And Jesus has just spoken to you through this amazing prophecy and I, I suggest you claim it. Yeah. Regions Beyond as a family as a movement, as a family of churches, is committed to getting everybody in every church thinking in terms of being a leader. See, I don't know whether you ever thought about this. If re- when revival comes, I nearly said if revival comes. Take that back, I rebuke myself. When revival comes, how big do you expect this church to be? The point being that as this church grows, every one of you will have to gather people around you and lead them and teach them and share your experience with them and lead them in the ways of Christ. If you don't see yourself as a leader now, you won't be prepared for revival. Every one of us will see ourselves as stepping up into a place of leadership. Whatever you are now, wherever you are now, consider yourself in a year's time and say, I will be bigger in a year's time because God is growing me. And I'm committed to growing myself 
I'm committed to prayer. I'm committed to the scriptures. Because I, you see me in a year's time, I'm going to be a different person than I am now so that God can use me even more. Very important that we all see ourselves this. Every person in every church, every one of us in this room should be asking ourselves this question, what have I got to pass on? Yeah? Who in this room has seen God bless them? Who in this God has, room has seen God answer prayers? Who in this room has experience of what God can do? Yeah. Pass it on. Hello tells this amazing story of a little village in Mexico that he went to. And he took me there once. There's a young man there who's led 70% of his village to Christ in five years. And he said, how did you do this? You've never been to Bible college? You've never been trained? How did you do this? And the answer he got back from this young Mexican was this. The little I knew. So if we all did that, who knows what would happen? It would be absolutely amazing. And as churches, we need to see ourselves and begin to see ourselves as a band of brothers and sisters who've been called to turn the world upside down. There's a wonderful Roman Catholic film about the life of Jesus. There's, it's called Jesus, but there's another Jesus film that's used by Worldwide Crusade for Christ. But if you can get hold of this one by the Roman Catholics, it's absolutely amazing because the Jesus in it is great fun and very personable. And when he calls the disciples to follow him, he says to, to Peter, follow me. And in the movie... Peter says, why Jesus, what are we going to do? And Jesus said, oh, it's quite simple, Peter. We're going to change the world. <laughs> That's what we're called to do, isn't it? Change the world. Yeah. What's the vision for Apex Church Cows? Oh, change the world. Why not? That's our calling in Christ. And God wants our focus to be on building relationally, avoiding hierarchy and any sense of professionalism. There's no one person more important than anybody else in this room who's just got different functions. Allowing God to build his church his way and trying to shape things, not our way, but his way. And we believe as regions beyond that God has spoken to us, warned us about being aware of too much or any organisational structure. What holds us together is a mutual sense of regard, love for one another and an awareness that God has joined us together as churches and that means we're going to cooperate to the ends of the earth. And that should be your sense in this room and that should be your sense across the nations. Anyway, I'm getting carried away here and I haven't even got to my passage yet so uh, it finishes at 12, does it? Ish. Okay, well you may have to rush this. But there's a passage which I think really describes what Regions Beyond is and helped me really see my part in it, and I think we'll help you see your part in it. So I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 8. We're just going to read a few verses, and then I'm going to rush through a little bit of application from these verses. Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. And here we are. Joshua has just uh, led the army. They've had a victory at Ai, and Joshua builds an altar with which to sacrifice and say thanks to God. And it says in verse 30, Then Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones, on which no iron tool had been used. And on it they offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. And there in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua copied on stones the law of Moses, which he had written, 
on which he had written, all Israel, aliens and citizens alike, with all their elders, officials, judges, were standing on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, facing those who carried it, the priests who were Levites. And half the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formally commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. Afterwards, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not one word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the aliens who lived among them. And the verse I want you to look at is verse 31. That when Joshua built this altar, he built it with unprepared, uncut stones. Verse 31, he built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool had been used. You see, the instructions that have been given to the people of God in Exodus 30 was this. If you make an altar of stones for me, do not build it with dressed stones, for you would defile it if you use a tool on it. And I'm suggesting to you this morning that we all know that we are now living stones in the living temple of God. This church is a living temple. The family of churches across the world is a living temple. And we need to believe that God is using very ordinary people like you and me to build a temple that there doesn't have to be any preparation for us. We haven't got to conform to any particular pattern because God uses uncut, undressed, unshaped stones to build the altar and to build his temple. And I'm just going to bring out very quickly a few things from this. First of all, I want you to notice that they were honouring the work of the past. So as we recognise this Regents Beyond that we're doing a new thing, there's a new era opening up to us, that we're building a family of churches across the nation, that doesn't mean that we despise the past. We still honour the past. They look back to what Moses had passed down to them. We look back to our heritage. We look back to the way that we've been blessed through New Frontiers and other places like that. But we don't get sentimental. We recognise that there's a call upon our lives to move forward into a new day. And we look forward, we don't look back. But we still take that heritage from the past and we say we're living this out. We still take those prophetic words from the past because we're still fulfilling that, but now in a myriad of movements across the nations. So some of the prophecies that we had as New Frontiers, there was one called No Well-Worn Paths. Do you remember that one? Well, we certainly don't know where we're going as far as what God has in store for us, so that stands changing the expression of Christianity around the world. As this family gets bigger and bigger and begins to, its influence grows wider and wider, we will see those prophecies coming true with us. So we need to recognise the importance of the past, that we don't start something here, we're building upon what God has already done, we look over our shoulder and we continue the commitments that we made in the past and the things that God has said to us in the past. But number two, I want you to recognise this about this altar that Joshua built. Every stone that Joshua picked up to build that altar at Mount Ebal was a hand-picked stone. He had to go around looking for stones that he would use. And I want to suggest to you that you should remind yourself that every one of us in this room has been hand-picked by God. Before he created the world, 
He had a plan and you were included in that plan. The fact that you're alive today was part of God's purpose. The fact that you were born again was part of God's purpose. The, part that the, the matter that you're part of this church or the church you've come from today if you're a visitor, that was God's purpose for you and he has hand-picked you to be part of that living temple. Not one of us in this room has just happened to have toppled on to the pile. You have been chosen. You have been hand-picked. And you have not been shaped by man. You've been chosen for your shape by God. No dressed stones in this room. God knew what we would be like. He planned our lives and he's chosen us just as we are. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes we look at ourselves and we consider ourselves the great saints. We might read church history and say, well, I'm nothing like him and I'm nothing like her. Or we go to conferences and we see these amazing people on the platform and say, I'm certainly not like him, I'm not like her. You need to know that God uses ordinary stones, undressed stones. So if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I don't know, I, I feel too ordinary for this huge call that's being presented from the front here. Where did this guy come from anyway? If you feel ordinary, you're just the right type of stone for God to use. Because when he uses ordinary stones, where does the glory go? It goes to the builder. And that's what God wants. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we, that's us as a company of people, are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. And I believe that's the difference between a movement with apostles, big stars that do everything, and an apostolic movement where we all know we've been specifically chosen to be part of this movement across the nations. Very important. We've been handpicked. Thirdly, this picture of an altar of uncut stones tells us something very important. We are fully reliant on each other. Because that altar was made up of stones that were balanced together. Which meant that if you remove one of the stones, what would have happened to that pile of stones? It would have collapsed. So it's no good the stones on the top saying, oh, we're the top stones, we're very, very important. Because if you took out one of the bottom stones, the top stones would be collapsing. And every one of us needs to recognise that we are an essential part of what God is doing in our church and in our movement. No hierarchy, no superstars in the coming revival. Everyone needed, everyone involved, everyone chosen. You're all familiar with the picture of the body in 1 Corinthians 12? No one can say, I'm not needed. Because in a body, every part is needed and this body, Apex Church, has been specifically designed by God that every member of this body is needed. And neither can we, any one of us say, and we don't need you. Because we're all absolutely essential. This altar balanced. It stayed together because it was fitted by God and every stone was essential for that altar to remain in place. Do you understand that? And that's why unity is a vital part of what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ. As I look around this room, I really pray that you are committed to deep, deep fellowship, friendship, love for one another and unity. 
because that's what displays to the world around us that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. This is how people are going to know you're my disciples, that you love one another, because they're going to see something in here and amongst you, day by day, week by week, year by year, that is not found anywhere else. The Holy Spirit imparting love across the body. And now we're talking about the Holy Spirit imparting love between churches to shine in the world. We are fully reliant on one another. Fourthly, the stones in this case shape the altar. The stones haven't been shaped to fit the altar. So I guess I don't know what this altar looked like. I guess it was a little bit rough around the edges because some of us are rough around the edges, like these stones are rough around the edges. But the stones shaped the altar. This is what I believe about the local church. There isn't a core group or a leadership team or an eldership team that God gives the design to and then they judge everybody as they come in and say, well, we've got to shape them to fit our plans. Every time God chooses a stone and adds it to a living temple, every time God brings somebody into a local fellowship, they bring their gifting, their ministry, their ambitions, their grace gifts, and the shape of the church changes to adopt the new stone. The stones shape the edifice. The edifice doesn't shape the stones. And that means that every one of you who's been joined to Apex Church, the God-given ministry that you have, the grace gifts that you've been given, shape this. So on our foundation course, as people come through our foundation course, we say, if God's given you a ministry, don't lay it down. It just became our ministry. And we shape our church according to the, the bricks that God has decided to join together. Does that make sense? I believe church shape is changed by those God adds to it and it's the same with the movement that's dynamic and growing. Regions beyond wouldn't be the shape it is today and the shape of what it's going to be if Apex Church wasn't a part of it. You are shaping the movement. You're not here to be shaped by the movement. Does that make sense? So you've got to begin to see yourselves as an essential part of this worldwide movement. God's joined you as a living stone to this other altar, this other living edifice, to help shape what Regions Beyond becomes. And that's why it's very important you're all aware and praying into the situations. Do you all get given the e-news that's sent out every two weeks of what's happening? Is is Mark doing his job? Is it being distributed here? Yes? Yes. Do you read it? Do you pray for those who are on it? Yes. Sometimes, if you're not too busy. Fifthly, why does this altar exist? It exists for the worship and the glory of God. It doesn't exist for our own satisfaction. There's a wonderful book by John Piper called Let the Nations Be Glad. In that book, he explains something about mission. And the first sentence of the book is this. Mission exists... Because worship doesn't. That's the only reason mission is there. See, one day evangelism will cease to exist. Did you know that? One day mission will cease to exist. What will remain for eternity? Worship. As we all gather around the throne. Every one of us. And it's important to do that. And the last thing I want to say is this. About this altar of uncut stones. Although the stones are uncut. And although the stones have shaped the altar, when God does something, the design 
is perfect. And in this living temple, you can't see the joins. You can't see the seams. And that's why we need to work really hard to recognize we belong together. There's no space for the enemy to become between us. Every stone above the other. And we are a people and we are a movement who are united. We are secure in who we are in Christ. We should be preaching so that everyone has a deep sense of identity, knows who they are in Christ. But none of us can be just secure in that I have my own little ministry. You can't see the scenes because this join is of God and it's essential to his purposes. And all churches in regions beyond should be equally involved. Equally involved in crisscrossing the nations, giving to the nations, sharing the mission, multiplying gifting through exposure, involvement, opportunity, and believing that we have this mutual sense of call. And you have a responsibility to build this church and to be part of this worldwide movement that God has initiated and taken us into. So here's my message to Apex Church, every one of you in this room, and everyone who joins you in the years ahead, it's time to get involved. You start by getting involved in this body. You go back to God. You say, Lord, what unique gifts have you given me that I've overlooked? I repent of that, and I'm giving myself to this great task of seeing the altar, this living temple built across the nations. I was saying last night to a group of leaders that gathered together, it's time to restore the dreams. Anybody in this room who's laid down a dream of what could be, God's saying, take it off the shelf. Pray into it again. Start to dream again. It's time to create an atmosphere in every one of our churches of encouragement. We've got to urge one another on to love and good deeds. You've got to keep coming back to these prophecies. You've got to remember why we're here and urge one another on. Come on, we can do this. And it's time, brothers and sisters, it's time to start praying big prayers again. Do you know what I love about prayer meetings? Do you know why we have prayer meetings? Is it there so you can jump through a hoop of obedience and God can say, oh, well done, you came to the prayer meeting. Do you know why we have prayer meetings? We have prayer meetings because God answers prayers. I don't think we do believe that, you see. Because if we really believe that when we have a prayer meeting and we pray, God answers those prayers, where would you be anywhere else but in the prayer meeting? And here's the truth. God answers prayers. And we can't outthink, outimagine God. So I think it's time for us to start coming together. These next three days sound very exciting to me. But I'd be very disappointed if you only prayed for cows. <laughs> Sounds a bit strange, that, praying for cows, doesn't it? <laughs> let's pray some big prayers it's time to get radical if we're entering a new era and that's the prophetic word we received at this recent marathon conference it's not going to be like the old era so I guess things are going to change so it's time for us to really radically examine how we're doing church and it's time for every one of us in this room to step into our destiny that's a word you don't hear much these days isn't it destiny Every one of you has a destiny. I have a destiny. We used to sing a song in the old days. I have a destiny I know I will fulfill. Anyone remember that song? I have a destiny in a city on a hill. Well, it's still true, even if we're not singing the song. 
and it's time for fresh faith. Stir faith. Pray for your family who are unsaved with faith. See them in the kingdom of God. Pray into it again. Pray for this town. So here's my question. How do you see this church in a year's time? Picture this meeting in a year's time. What does it look like? And what are you in faith for? Will you be standing up because the guests need the chairs? Or will you be upset if someone's sitting in your place, in the back row that you covet so much? How many salvations are you expecting to see in the next six months? What are you believing for? What is your faith? Because God honours our faith, doesn't it? God honours our faith. And the bigger our faith, the more we will see. One of the stories I love, and in my preaching classes, I, I say it to the guys. Charles Spurgeon was once approached by one of his ex-students who'd now founded his own, planted his own church, who was out in the ministry. And he came back to see Mr. Spurgeon. He said, Mr. Spurgeon, why is it that when you preach, every time you preach, someone gets saved? And when I preach, hardly anyone ever gets saved. And Spurgeon looked him in the eye and said, uh, you don't expect someone to get saved every time you preach, do you? Well, no, no, of course not. And Spurgeon said, well, there's your problem. There's your problem. Do you expect people to get saved when you talk to them in the next year? No? Well, they won't be, will they? But if you believe, if you're trusting God and you're asking more for more and more of the anointing and you step out on that faith. So let's have a big rise of expectancy and begin to see what God's going to do in this church. Psalm 96. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. Say among the nations... The Lord reigns. Father, will you anoint each one of us in this room? Write it across our hearts. May it spill out from our lips in different conversations. Here, there. Raise our faith, Lord God, and give us confidence with that phrase. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. And he loves you. Come and discover your life in Christ.